Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by a fellow content creator and radicalizer of the youth, Griff. And today we're talking about Brian K. Vohan's solo title, Mystique, from 2003. Hello, Griff. Hi. First question, it's Vohan? <laughs> um, you know what? Full disclosure, never heard anybody say this man's last name uh, out loud. It's spelled V-A-U-G-H-A-N, so I pr- pronounce it as Vohan. We can go with that. I've been saying Vaughn, but I also don't know how Vaughn is spelled. So it it looks if you look at it quickly, it does look like Vaughn. In fact, I used to say that until I took a closer look. Like, the oh, there's a. an extra A in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's that's our first uh, unanswered uh, mystery in this mysterious uh, episode that we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> But uh, before we get into Brian and Mystique and everything that happened in the uh, the comic we were reading, which, by the way, for the listener, if you're not clear on what we're covering today, we are covering the solo title Mystique from 2003, specifically issues one through six. Um, the The book went on to, I think, 13 issues total. But this first six is the first story. And I felt like that was a good little bit for us just to focus on. But before we get into all of that, Griff, yes. what is your background history um with uh comics in general and x-men specifically i guess in general uh my cousin was one of those dudes that had like the binders of uh comic books underneath his bed like he was like collecting them keeping them pristine condition in uh, pristine condition but the ones that he wasn't keeping in pristine condition he left all around the house so i would just read random trades and not know what they were from or just what it was disconnected for. different titles, oh, not yeah. knowing what you're reading, just consuming for the sake of consumption. Yeah, just like a bunch of Spider-Man. Uh, I think the Venom series, uh, and maybe like, I yeah, I know. I think he was mostly in the Marvel side. I just I distinctly remember reading the Spider-Man and Venom comics he would leave around, and uh, nice. then like on my own, I then <laughs> from that got into more to like manga and anime myself. You are a weeb. I am a weeb. Uh, but I also like. Uh, I think my favorite like comic book series of all time is probably The Runaways, which right. is shocking which, for me. Why is that shocking to you? Actually, I'm not like a huge Marvel fan. Like the right. comics, I usually say I, I talk about or I like. I'm like, oh, I like DC. But I'm like, but my favorite series of all time is The Runaways. So, so not being a Marvel person, what led you to try out Runaways, a very un- an un- unknown title for most people <laughs> at the time. Uh, it's what was available in the comic book section in my middle school library. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I used the library a lot for comic books, so I understand that. Yeah, I worked my way through the comic section alphabetically, and it was in there. And uh, <laughs> Just methodically. <laughs> yeah, and I really liked it. And then when I got adult grown-up money, I bought the whole set. <laughs> nice. That's a very good set to picked up. It's oh, one yeah. of my favorites and has had several great people penning the uh, the, the, the writing for it. Um, but it started with Brian K. Vohan. Exactly. He was the original writer, and he was writing it uh, at the same time that uh, this uh, title was coming out. They're both 2003 titles that were starting out. That's shocking. Um, For some reason, that the, the that feels later than 2003, The Runaways, but I know it's not. It does. It feels recent because it, I think it feels recent because it's such a new title. Yeah. Um. You know, and all the other ones like things like X Men feels like well that's been around since 1845. <laughs> yeah, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. They had that during the 70s. <laughs> they had they had the X Men. Yeah, the X Men around in the 70s. 
Uh, actually, the 60s, to be exact. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, late 60s, but 60s. I guess that or, like, makes mid sense. Mid-60s. Because uh, Black Panther, was he introduced in an X-Men comic? No. He was introduced he was in, in someone else's comic. Actually, I, I, I didn't know that about Black Panther. That's true, that he was introduced in someone's. It might have been... um. He might have been a Captain America comic or an Avengers comic, if if I recall correctly, because I I think you are right that he was a you know introduced as this foreign leader of a of an African nation, and I think he was part of like one of those titles. Yeah, maybe um, he like maybe they made him pop up in like whatever their that early version of Civil War was. Yeah, uh, I, I'd have to look that up. That I'd I'd be curious about the first issues of of black panther so then that's your history with comics in general i'm i have to ask as i do with everybody did you ever read x-men prior to this little engagement i made you do <laughs> not religiously again definitely some layabouts around my grandma's house for my cousin but i don't i don't think i've ever like sought out and i don't think i've ever sought out an x-men comic before right so i've done the good work of making <laughs> you read an x-men comic which is all the reason i'm doing this show yeah and i think I may have, I think I saw the Halle Berry X-Men movies when I was a kid, but I could not tell you anything about them. <laughs> it's the best way to describe those <laughs> movies. That's how they should be described from now on. Um, do not reference any of the other people. Definitely don't reference the director. Just call them the Halle Berry X-Men yeah, movies. Yeah, well, I don't know who else is in those. I know that, and I know yeah, uh, well, the Iceman scene. scene <laughs> with the, yeah, because uh, that's the, the queer scene yeah, that all yeah, the yeah. queers know. <laughs> It's the, the, the gay charged moment between yeah. Iceman and Wolverine in Dexman 2. Oh, it's highly erotic, yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, that's I love that. The uh, My favorite episodes of this show that I make is when I get people who have no prior experience with X-Men, so I get to really test to see if like I can help uh, not only give context and make this enjoyable, but maybe even at the end entice you to keep reading some more. We'll find out about that later. But first, I wanted to give the audience some context as to why I picked this comic. Because as I've said before, I try to pick something that is uh, suited for my guests. I try to ask my guests for input. If they have specifics, I go with specifics. If they go general, I work my way from there. And basically, I think all you gave me was that you were like, I like the runaways. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I can work with that. Um, I thought thought about it for a bit and since brian uh is the writer brian k is the writer i was like well he's clearly have to have written some other uh x-men stuff because he's written for marvel dc image vertical everybody he's yeah. even written for tv um he wrote some episodes of lost he he wrote some episodes of under the dome um he's prolific and a uh, very prolific, prolific uh, writer and successful. And I, he's, he is um, one of my favorite all-time writers. He's written some of my favorite non-big two titles. Um, I, I love his stuff he's done for like Image and Vertigo. He did Why the Last Man in 2002, oh. which is a fantastic post-apocalyptic story. Do you know anything about Why the Last Man? Uh, yeah, I read the first one and I remember seeing the comic, or not the comics, I remember seeing the uh, commercial for the TV FX show. show, yeah. And, yeah. I, and all I could think was, I don't know if women would do a war like that. He wrote Pride of Baghdad? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, he also wrote uh, a title called Saga. I read that That might too. be his most, that is his most popular title and one of my favorites. I'm, I'm scrolling um, through his thing. He wrote Paper Girls. He's written a lot of stuff Girls. I've read and I've not noticed it was him. <laughs> Yeah, um, he wrote uh, Saga in 2012, and then Paper Girls was 2015. Yeah, um, and and both are fantastic. Oh, Highly recommend. Yeah. Check them out. 
Um, he, uh, I, I, I do like that he is not someone who shies away from at least trying to write female-led stories. He's got like Saga is very female forward. Yeah. Paper Girls is all about young girls uh, dealing with um, a time travel paradox. Um, why the last man literally is about the last man <laughs> on a planet that's just full of nothing but women. Yeah, Runaways is pretty female forward too. Only two dudes on the team, very, right? Yep, very female forward, yep. and and kind of later on very queer forward as well. Yep. Um, but uh, I was like, well, that connects. That if if I can pick the one X, one of the X Men things he wrote, which was this Mystique title, because Mystique is also someone that I would be, I would associate with you, uh, <laughs> Griff. Um, in many ways, uh, Mystique is uh, uh, extremely queer um, and uh, a ferocious activist <laughs> in many ways. And I was like, well, that's Griff as well. Um, and and Mystique is all about like conspiracy theories and is about, uh, um, you know, dealing with um, stupid men in power, yep. um, which you might have some experience in. I'm not sure. Um but I, I thought you're talking about boss. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not let's not bring that into this. This is a this is an e, this is an equal space. <laughs> I, I I you're the guest on my show. I'm definitely not uh, your boss at work. No. Um, but uh, this is also uh, something that I read back in 2003 and haven't read since then. But I it's things like that that I read. I was like. I often have just either an inkling of like, did I like it at the time or did I not like it? And I remember liking this a lot, but I was excited to return to it, to yeah. reread it and kind of see like, well, how does it age? Is it is it worth it? Did it really add some interesting, you know, canonical details to Mystique? And I feel like my general reaction was that like, I think it aged pretty well yeah. and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I hope you did too, generally. Oh yeah, no, I did. I, uh, again, I haven't, I haven't, picked up just like a single trade in a while like I, I usually read like a, i'll get a compilation of something like every big once, old omnibus yeah, a big old omnibus every once in a while uh but this one was i, I liked it and it, it holds up just like the runaways it holds up and it feels like it didn't come out in 2003 yeah there is uh definitely some stuff that i've recently especially if because of the show I've reread and uh and some stuff doesn't do so well especially stuff that was like trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy or there's some stuff that just historically really age like it, it sets itself in time and we I've covered some of those things in this show where you know obviously stuff that was written in 1969 is not going to have very modern terminology for people and might have some dated references to you know race or gender or sexuality and that kind of thing but um, I, I the great thing about X-Men titles is that the majority of its history is written in that it's well-intentioned storytelling of the plight of the other, of the minority group. Yeah. Um, and as long as people stay in that theme with their tellings of like X-Men, they usually are adding quality additions to the story and continuing to like give that kind of voice to, you know, you know, little kids who were like, yeah, I'm one of the others. I like reading a story like this. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely, uh, I feel like it, it changes based on what is happening in, you know, time and space and news at the time. Yes. But it's because like, I feel like what was it first was probably like the black civil rights movement allegory. And then it was like the gay, like the gay AIDS epidemic slash uh, equal rights uh, movement for that. And I just feel like 
it's an it's an evergreen story because people just love to oppress other groups of people, and I feel like that's a forever thing that we have to deal with, unfortunately. But we'll always have exactly. the X Men to look to. We will, okay, <laughs> because they will never stop writing these little mutants, and I love it. <laughs> um, so uh, the uh, the only other reason that I picked this also is that um, sometimes uh, solo titles, which these are uh, kind of kind of not rare, but they come around every once in a while. Where the, because the X Men is an ensemble cast, um, it's hard to sometimes get really you know in the weeds with certain characters, and so it's fun to have some of these little solo titles that come out, and they add a little bit more specific you know, a little canon to the characters and a little more background. And, and I love that for it. And so I thought it'd be fun since uh, this is, I think this will be the 11th episode of this show. I haven't done any of these solo titles. So this will be our first one. And I think it was a good choice for it. Um, but before we get into talking about, uh, I want to get to talking just about the issues themselves and we'll talk through the story. And I'm sure you will have a thousand questions do, um, yes. as to what, <laughs> um, before we get to that, I'll give a little bit of context as to what was happening prior to this comic. Um, for those who have been listening to episodes of the show, this comes off right off the heels of the beginning of New X-Men, which was written by Grant Morrison, if you recall. And New X-Men introduced a bunch of uh, new things to the X-Men. Haha. Um, one of which was, and you'll have picked up on this, Griff, was the the coming out of Professor Xavier for the first time ever as both a mutant and the leader of the X-Men. Prior to this, for decades, he'd kept up the the ruse that um, he was just, I am Professor Charles Xavier, and I run a private school in, in you know, uh, in New York. Um, don't, don't, don't look at where the, the plane keeps coming out of our, you know, <laughs> out of a hangar that we have on campus. Um, and so he had just come out as that, and so now he's, he's a newly public figure for the X-Men movement. He publicly, for the first time, opened up their school. It no longer was like, we have 12 students. It was like, oh, we have like 300 little mutant children now in our school. Um, and also, and they referenced this in, I think, the first couple of pages where he's in the interview. He's also, he started X Corporation, which is like a global corporation that was there to lend aid and help to mutants and to further the cause of like achieving equal rights for mutants. Um, on top of that, you texted me a question <laughs> earlier this week. Oh, yeah, immediately. Like, Why is Professor X walking? <laughs> okay, listen, well, if you read. I've only I've only ever seen him walk in the uh, the prequel movies with the with the with the little cute guy, and <laughs> where he still has his hair. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And uh, yep. here, James McAvoy, little cute guy. I reference that as that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the only uh, time I've ever seen him walking. So I was very shocked when he got up out of his chair. Yes. So uh, the history of Professor Xavier's uh, uh, bout with his disability has has kind of teetered back and forth. There's been times that he is, uh, you know, in his wheelchair and he's in that kind of a state. And mm -hmm. then there's times where certain reasons he gets healed or uh, something miraculous happens and he's walking for a little bit. He goes back and forth constantly. And at this time, he is specifically walking because of a thing that happened recently uh, where a bunch of nano sentinels were actually going to be used to do a bunch of nasty mean things to people, but mm -hmm. they got reprogrammed and professor X came out of the whole ordeal being able to walk now, be thanks to these nano sentinels that were inside of him that are kind of like repairing his or, or keeping his spine together in places that it was broken uh. previously. Um, so yes, 
he's walking now um he will soon after this not be walking for certain reasons and then he'll come back to walking again soon that was my next Um, question the man will keep you guessing (laughs) so Um, there is no steady there is no steady answer to whether or not he it just depends on what what the what the arc writer is into I mean, essentially, that's the definition of, like, what's going on with X-Men in general. That's the beauty and the twisted nature of these long-running comics that have been going, again, since 1960s, is that, like, you know, whoever's holding the pen, they can make certain decisions. Even in this title with Mystique, Brian uh, K. Vohan made some choices to, like, reveal or or canonize some details about Raven's past. Yeah. um, Because uh, prior to this, it had been a mystery. And so... um, you know it's it's obviously in the end up to the editorial staff or yeah. the uh, executive uh, you know editor in chief to make these final decisions of whether or not people can do certain things in comics um it's kind of like the same reason why like Iceman was supposed to come out as gay like in 19 the 1980s yeah. but he didn't come out until 2015 because editor in chiefs were like nope he's not gay yeah um, they still wrote him gay the whole time they just didn't say anything about it right same with mystique it's like oh her really good friend destiny uh who <laughs> they're roommates together since like the 19 yeah, since like the 1800s because they're both like super old yeah um and it wasn't until 2019 she was finally able to say wife Love so i mean that's that's 50 60 years of her character having to, to, to be in the closet that's crazy um it's very crazy but uh other things that were going on that they reference in this that uh you might not uh mo- most people might be like what the heck are they talking about is that they allude to previous relationship between forge and mystique yes um and that happened uh, not too long ago in their past while Forge was serving as uh, he was kind of like the Tony Stark of the of the U.S. government where, he, where Tony wasn't making them weapons anymore. So Forge was making them weapons. Uh, and during that time, uh, Mystique was also kind of uh, working with the government. Um, she's had different bouts of working with the government. In fact, they she references it in this where she was the leader of a group called Freedom Force. Yeah which was a renaming of her, at the time, some would call it terrorist group, the Brotherhood <laughs> of Evil Mutants. Yeah, and which was an ironic basically, name. Yes, I love that she calls it that in the uh, in the book because this is again like where modern writers get to kind of like I don't know poke fun a little bit at the silliness of yeah. old comics. Because um, yes, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is kind of on the nose. I mean, if you're yeah, if you're trying to like further the cause of mutants, maybe don't use the word evil in your name. <laughs> Um, but that's what they were. Um, it's like, you know, his name is Dr. Doom. Why? It's <laughs> silly. It's silly. Um, and so she was a freedom force leader and she, during that time, they actually did manage to, uh, help the U S government, uh, capture Magneto, who at the time was a super bad guy. Um, and so that's just some like history that was happening before this comic, before you get into it. So to give a little bit of context, but okay. with that all in mind, let's get into the actual issues. Yeah. Shall we? So um, we open up in a cold open with characters that everyone should be confused by. So if you were like, I don't know who these people are. No one knew who these people are. These are new characters. The the blonde spy Prudence okay. um, is running away from this fire-breathing mutant Steinbeck. Yes. Um, and so that's the cold open of the whole thing to uh, lead us into like, you know, uh, 
some distress from Professor Xavier finding about finding out about Prudence trying to steal something from the Russian government and getting stopped by Steinbeck, um, who breathes fire on her. Yeah. Um, that then goes into Professor X, you know, being you know the public figure, having an interview and getting paused by Short Pack, yeah. who's letting him know Prudence dies. Um, it's and it's a uh, it's giving it's giving George Bush uh, reading books to children. It is. It's a little bit of that. Uh, it, I love. There's a, even a panel in it that uh, there's like a monitor for Professor X and mm. Jean Grey's in there, like holding the monitor up tele telekinetically. <laughs> yeah. um, just some silliness that mutants get to do. It's like uh, the Weasley brothers using apparating all the time to go around just because they can. Um, mutants are like, we could get a, a standout. Like yeah. the camera's on a tripod, but like, but this we'll is the, this the is monitor. cooler. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to be cool. You yeah. got to use your coolness. Um, but from that, that's when we go in, uh, Professor X is like, okay, Prudence is dead and I need to continue this mysterious mission. And so that's when he goes and meets Forge. And I'm assuming Forge is a mystery to you, right? Yeah. D- uh, up to this point, I only recognize Jean Grey and Professor Xavier. Right. Um, Forge is a prominent X-Men from the comics, but he's kind of never really found his, uh, way in prominence to the either the cartoons or the movies he definitely wasn't in the movies i think he might have been in the cartoons at some point um forge is a really cool mutant that now serves a very awesome role in this like the modern world of x-men that now live on the living island of krakoa but forge's mutant power is that he is a a maker he he basically can think of anything to invent and basically can to certain with with limitations of like current uh physics and and knowledge can make it that's why he kind of is talking about like he was you know uh obsessed with this idea of a perpetual motion machine yeah. because he can make anything but like infinite energy still eludes him that yeah. kind of thing just the, the things that and, might be almost impossible yeah 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 he he is actually used uh in uh jonathan hickman's uh house of x powers of 10 as an example of someone who is the top of his level for his power, but because there's limitations to his power, he's not technically an omega level mutant, which are mutants that have no upper limitation to their powers. So he may be really powerful in building stuff, but there's limitations to it. Um, but you can even see like how cool his, his building is that he, you notice that he has a prosthetic leg yeah. and hand. He built those. He made those. What happened? Um, what happened? You know, oopsies happened while he was an X-Men and he had to uh he had to fix them um I, I, uh, it's a, not not knowing who he was i like assumed he was like a vet uh like, or... he, he's got a, yeah well he he's worked for the the government um he is actually he's one of the the few characters from x-men comics that is like a, a first nation people i i, I think he was because they, they reference it like he was ha- the professor x like i thought you might have been on you know with the the cheyenne tribe continue to work on your shamanism he uh at times is more mystic in his practices and yeah. then other times much more uh tinker and engineer in his practices um but uh, we meet Forge, and he's just the means for Professor X to tr- for Professor X to try to find Mystique because she's hard to find. She can look like anybody. He can't telepathically track her because of the manipulative nature of her brain, um, and so he needs Forge 
to help. Um, and part of that is like what I said, like they had prior relationship. Forge might have a little bit of knowledge of how to help. And Professor X in general needs to keep this under the books because now he's a public figure and he can't just send his X-Men to do anything. Now they kind of are, they have their spotlight on him and they're really trying to be the poster children of, of mutants. So this is when we get to meet Mystique for the first time in this comic. And we go have this little call girl scene, which I think is so fun because I, I hadn't remembered much details about this book, yeah. but the book does it perfectly where you meet her like, Oh, that's Mystique, the call girl. Yeah. Like she's there to trick this man. Um, but twist, he, she's actually the dude and she just needs the call girls who's a spy's help to find the safe she's trying to look into. Did that catch you off guard? Oh, yeah. Or am abs- I the only absolutely. One? I thought I was like, oh, red hair, uh, skimpy outfit, seducing a man. It's Mystique. That's what, that's what she does. Yeah. It's her MO. I mean, it's, I have, I think I literally have a note in my, in my book here of writing down things where uh, Mystique constantly knows that for the most part, we're just being hyperbolic here, but all men are the same. Yeah. Um, and Mystique's been around for she's she's ancient. She's she's very old from the 1800s. In fact, you'll find this fun, Griff. <laughs> um, they had alluded to for a long time, but finally canonized it that uh, Mystique and her wife Destiny mm. are actually Sherlock Holmes and uh, Eileen Adler. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> And at the time, Mystique was male presenting and had taken on the the name of Sherlock Holmes. And they were serving as detectives um, to solve mysteries, mostly trying to solve mysteries for women that had been in trouble. And uh, it's fun. They kind of even play around where like uh, Destiny could help at any point because Destiny is a uh, she has future sight. She can um, see the future or, or see futures. But like playing around where like Mystique's trying to solve the mystery on her own and, and not letting Destiny help her unless it's ne- totally necessary. It's very cute. Um, so they're that, that old because Sherlock Holmes and Eileen Adler are like ancient. ancient. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I love that like modern writers are like, no, 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 we're making this a thing. And it was actually written into, I think it was uh, the title Immortal X-Men where uh, they, they actually did a little bit of, uh, they wrote in some of those pages and it's so good. I'll share it with you later. Okay, awesome. um, it's great seeing, it's even just great seeing Mystique dressed up in, uh, she's turns into like her blue self, but is wearing like the Sherlock Holmes outfit. Hell it's yeah. adorable. Um, and so she's ancient and she's been around with, you know, governments and men for forever. And so she is very much like, yes, she she can deal she deals with men because she knows how to deal with men um so i love the little bit of a you know uh kind of giving a twist early on where it's like she can be the guy too and and be messing with you know some troublesome women along the way yeah um i love that and then uh mystique you know kind of like gets what she needs from this girl um the girl she kind of lets her go because she's from austria this is also one of the first times that they admitted through mystique's you know reaction that she is actually from austria because you probably don't know this griff but um well because most x-men are just a mystery to you because you don't know them at all (laughs) but one of the great things about mystique is that she doesn't we actually don't know her past we don't know her real name she's gone by raven dark home um we don't know where she was born we don't know who she was we don't know what uh she came from and some people think that that would be fun to finally get the answers for someday, kind of like how they did with Wolverine eventually, where they finally gave Wolverine's origin story. Um, I'm in the the house of like, 
her mystery is what's awesome. Her don't name tell. Is, her name is Mystique. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't give it away. Don't give it away. Like, then she'll just be like known. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the one of those lines from Alfred Hitchcock where he said it's. The scariest things is not what you show the audience, but what you make the audience think in their head. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of those instances where it's like don't sh- don't sh- don't show don't don't do it. Just keep it mysterious, and that's part of what's awesome about her because she's she's ancient and we don't know where she's from, but she's she's so cool. It's one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, one of my previous episodes I did with a, a mutual friend of ours, Laurie Bird. Oh yeah. And yeah. She specifically was like, all she knew about, she was like, I, I think I like Mystique. So mm-hmm. I did another Mystique uh, episode of a of a story with her. Um, and uh, it was super fun. And I love Mystique so much. Yeah. Like, if you asked me before this, I'd be like, uh, she's got uh, blue skin and red hair. And she shapeshifts. And she's always naked. And I think she's Nightcrawler's mom. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were correct on all accounts. Oh, okay. Sick. <laughs> yeah um i've said this before on this show but i'll let you know because this is again a fact that i think you'll love about mystique um when mystique was originally created not only was the original intention to be explicit about her having a wife yeah. but they couldn't be explicit about any queerness with x-men but the original plan was so right now the canon is that uh mystique uh was married to a nobleman and then had gave birth to what was Nightcrawler. Um, and there was more complication as to who Nightcrawler's dad is, but yeah. that was the story. What I think it was Claremont wanted to do um, originally was he wanted Destiny to be Nightcrawler's mom and Mystique to be his dad. Okay, that's what um, I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, so he wanted like male presenting Mystique to have impregnated uh, uh, Destiny and then they have baby. But that was like, that's like five steps further than what people apparently were ready for. Well, that's like what Loki does. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's what we're used to now. But I think it was like the uh, the shapeshifter uh, making a woman have a baby. Yeah. They were like, that's 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 too much. That's too much for the kids. <laughs> um, it's not. It's I no. I wish that had I been wish the that real was the can- I wish that was the actual actual canon. Yeah, uh, my head canon. That's what it is. That's destiny. Is uh, is mommy. Um, <laughs> But, uh, so Mystique from Austria lets the girl go, but then is confronted by a bunch of angry men with guns ready to execute her on the spot. Mm. And that's when she first gets into, you know, trouble. Um, and that's basically all the first issue was, um, was there anything from that issue that, that you still are unclear of? It's kind of just intro one. So it's not a lot, but it, was there anything else in your litany of questions that that you need uh, clarified? I think I think just from that one was uh, how how he how Professor X was walking. <laughs> how uh, how this dude walking? How, does, how he how walking? Does he do? I was like, is it some telekinetic thing? He's like, can can control his body? Like I don't know. I didn't know what it was. So I was like, what what going on here? They've actually been very uh, loosey goosey sometimes with Professor X's powers. He's always been the world's greatest telepath. Yeah. That's what he's always been. Some people have tried to mess around with him having some level of telekinesis. It's never stuck. Um, it, although most recently they've kind of played around that with the X-Men now reincarnating or resurrecting themselves constantly when they die. Yeah. That each time he resurrects, he kind of does little modifications and he's getting like a little bit of telekinesis. But no, he he, he wasn't using telekinesis at the time to walk. He just had super uh, robots in him. Um, 
but we go into let's go into issue two. Okay. Um, and this is they open up with Professor X still having a hard time finding uh, Mystique. He's, he's like literally scanning people's like perception of having maybe seen her, which is awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, and then, but then once they're still looking and 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 uh, trying to find her, and Forge makes a call in for like an old buddy that he put like <laughs> a a hollow deck in that guy's basement, which is <laughs> fantastic. Um, not gonna lie, wouldn't say no to that myself. No, absolutely not. I mean, the outside world sucks. Let me have just a hollow world to live in. You love a uh, um, uh, you have an Oculus or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> VR is oh, where you want to stay, absolutely. right? Absolutely. You're an AR guy. Um, right? or is that blind? I'm a what? Uh, when, uh, I no, I, I, I'm not. I don't have any of those devices. Well, I'm too poor to have any of those. Gus is an uh, AR guy. I, I, I thought I got you that confused. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Blaine is as well. Um, friends of ours, uh, to those in the audience. Um, then we cut back to Mystique, and I love when certain things happen in comics that really puts in the time. And this is where Mystique makes a great Kaza joke. Yeah. Okay. So I was with uh, again another friend of ours, uh, Nikki, who's like, I think she's like uh seven years older than me maybe seven or eight and uh oh really yeah and well or six or seven and uh and i was like oh and she saw me reading this and i was like oh i thought kazal was a made-up thing that was supposed to be like not because they couldn't say napster for legal reasons she was like no i used to love kazal and i was like it's real Yeah, I mean, it was Napster, and then the next major one was like Kazaa, and then some people used LimeWire. I use I use LimeWire. Pre- yeah, and then that was the predecessor to like just torrenting everything. Yeah, um, which you're not supposed to do, kids. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that here. Yeah, we don't do that. We pay for no uh, Marble Unlimited. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> okay, we do. Um, I this is a a great uh, one of my favorite things in this whole solo title is opportunity for someone to really have some fun with Mystique's power set because yeah. it's always like yeah she can shapeshift anything but when you get into the, the the details of a lot of these characters mutant powers you can get creative with what they can do and they get to be really creative with Mystique in this whole book and one of the first things is they point out that you know while Mystique is able to turn into a small little white girl um, to confuse these soldiers, she retains mass no matter what size she is. Yeah. And so she's kind of like how Ant-Man retains mass <laughs> yeah. at all sizes. She's still hitting with the f- the forceful punch of a 200-pound woman. Yeah, which is, again, who, uh, in what world is she 200 pounds? She must be so, she must be <laughs> dense and compactly tight. Also, uh, someone needs to tell, the, uh, the again, the Marvel website that because they have her weight listed as 120 pounds. And she said that she is two yeah. girls. Well, someone recently posted a bunch of old uh, Marvel cards that had like stats on <laughs> oh, them. Oh God! And it was, it was a mix of men and women, but the whole thing was that every man was at least over 180 pounds, if not like you know in the 240s. No matter what size they were, no matter if they looked like my size. Yeah. And every woman was below 130. So um, I have this theory that people of opposite sexes don't know what they weigh usually like no. uh one of our one of our our co-workers uh, uh so uh our friend cameron he told us that he was like 190 or something and to me that he's like six foot yeah he's like really tall but he's super skinny and lanky and i was like that seems like a really high number but i'm like oh, i guess if you're like <laughs> six feet tall 
190 pounds like stretched out isn't that much but if i'm it's actually low it's yeah that's what i'm saying and i'm like just and then the and same thing like with other like other men have told me their weights and i'm just like that is an unfathomable <laughs> number to me because <laughs> i feel because most women you... like uh like women between like you know five five to five nine is the height everyone at, like most people are like you know what is it, like one 120 to like 170 maybe is like yeah, the, I'm sure the average is around the average, there. Yeah. So like when <laughs> I was just like, I've never like comfort. Like I was trying to guess. I was like, I don't know, maybe you're like 160, and he's like, No, I'm almost like 200 pounds. <laughs> bones weigh something. Bones are bones he are got, dense. He got he got he got extra bones. Maybe her bones are uh, really dense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is the part of the fun of Mystique. She even calls it out. She's like, put on extra weight that, uh, as Mystique puts on weight or or doesn't or you know as she eats or works out like she's able to decide what she looks like at all times and you kind of got to think about like this typical form of her her it might not even be her her true form that is what's fun about it i did i i that might not even be oh my god (laughs) her default might not be that's well now i'm okay (laughs) it's part of why it's one of the grievances I actually have with that X-Men first class movie you oh, referenced where the real not year? only did they change her like origin and made her the same age as Professor X, mm-hmm. boring, um, <laughs> but they also like made it so that when she was a little baby girl, she looked like that. I'm like, no, no, we don't know that. Yeah. We don't know that. And we don't, we don't know, know when what that was. Like. <laughs> we know what adult um, fully in control of her powers mystique looks like. We don't know. And so it would just be the greatest thing is that she uh, is you know, has a, a new default that what she decided, what she got to be, which is like the dream for any queer person. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's like, uh, um, not to bring it back to the runaways, uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> Oh God, who are the green people? The aliens, the scrolls, the scrolls, uh, that one guy comes down. Cause he's like betrothed to one of the characters. Uh, cause they're right. both like, like space royalty, but she's like, yes. I'm actually a lesbian. And he's like, Oh, I, we don't have gender. I can be a hot woman for the rest of this. And then he's just like, just yeah. like a woman the rest of the time. And it's like, okay, cool. Sick. Yeah. I'm into this. Let's do yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> and no one yeah, bats I mean, and an eye. <laughs> it's mentioned once and no. then everyone's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's at least it was in 2003 and Brian was like, we're not going to make that a thing. That's like, it's like, Oh yeah. Like, no one would ever think anybody who's watched star trek knows that yeah. like uh gender ain't a thing in space yeah they got other um, things to worry about like you know warping <laughs> and what that does to the body well said <laughs> previously on x-men hello everybody and hello i'm john i'm i'm the teacher i'm the professor i'm the one who's in charge of this ragtag group of gifted youngsters Thank you for checking out this episode. Uh, Griff was, as you can tell already, an absolute, utter, and complete delight to talk about. Um, Griff is a big... uh, Griff's basically just a universal fanboy, and so I knew that if I could just trick Griff into uh, reading some of the sex men, I could uh, get them uh, obsessed with it. So I'm so happy it worked out. Um, If you are enjoying this podcast, first off, thanks. I'm glad you enjoy something I'm making that I, I really love doing. And second, um, if you love it so much, um, why don't you put a ring on it and then also rate it um, on the, pl- the platforms like Spotify, Google, Amazon, the other one that you're using because you don't like to use those main ones. Um, and w- also while you're on your phone, like rating things, you should go on your socials and you should follow us on socials. You can follow us on Class of X Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, 
Um, and you can also follow me on socials. And I just basically now just on all those accounts, just post nothing but X-Men and memes and stuff like that. So you can follow me at John Reisinger and all that stuff, you know, just for funs. Um, and if you are loving it so much that you have now rated the podcast and you have followed us on socials, then the next step is obviously for you to join us in the Patreon because it's a Patreon. And if you want to like donate a dollar, that'd be cool. If you want to donate more than a dollar? Hey, that's even cooler. Um, and since you're going to be on Patreon or you're going to be on the socials, I would love some interaction from you guys. So if there are guests out there, influencers, experts, um, just celebrities that you think are a low enough grab that I could get a hold of them. <laughs> Let me know. I'd love to get some suggestions on people that you'd love to be on the show. I'm going to be asking some people that have been on the show already to come back again. I'm going to try some more dabbling in solo episodes. I've got more friends of mine that I haven't tricked to be on the show yet that I'm going to bring on, but I would love to hear suggestions from you. And who are you? Well, if you're the people that I love the most, you're the patrons. And I wanted to give a shout out to some of our most recent patrons. We got we got Matthew Pownell, we got Mike L, we got Ty, we got Richard Gilliam, and we got Lord Jonathan Ace Esquire Jr. Lord Jonathan, Lord Jonathan, you know what you're doing, and I'm here for it. Anyways, let's get back to the episode. Thank you. I had so much fun talking about Mystique. The episode actually gets even better after this. You're not going to want to miss out. So keep listening and stay in school. I gotta, I gotta script these things out better next time. All right, bye. Um, so yeah, Mystique is, uh, I've always referred to her as like a, a bisexual icon or a trans icon. Um, and, uh, and so yes, Mystique, she, she, she'll, she'll go either way. <laughs> in fact, there's a great line in, uh, I think it's in the first issue where the girl is upset that she kissed a mutant, yeah. but not that she's a woman. And Mystique calls her out and she's like, we love an open-minded girl. Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the one thing I was like, mm, what was that? <laughs> it's a little, it's a little, oh yeah. Little, it's because Mystique's like, here. I have a wife. Yeah. A little fruity in here. <laughs> um, um, but she's also, uh, you know, been with men. That's where Nightcrawler came from. That's where Forge is involved. Um, so, uh, I mean, and she's, we all know that her and Wolverine have done it at some point. Wolverine also being a bisexual icon. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, okay, so to continue the story, she turns into a tiny little girl to confuse the soldiers. Fantastic idea. Mm. Um, and then uh, further confuses them by turning into their commander and pulls a great, like, shoot us both moment um, and uh, confuses everybody with that, but then gives more great, like, like uh, information onto the specifics of Mystique's powers yeah. where she's, like, So much one. information divulging in that one scene. It was amazing. It's great. I love it because I already it's it's already kind of known that she has a, a healing factor as she changes like her her cells, you know, can can replicate themselves in certain ways. And so she has a healing factor. Hence why even like in the uh, the the first Halle Berry movie, <laughs> um, she gets stabbed by Wolverine. But then she's back in the second movie because yeah. she can heal. Um, she moves her organs into more convenient spots to not get hurt by a bullet wound. Um genius love it but it's still you know it takes it out of her and so she kind of faints and i I love the visual image of her last attempt at camouflage where she's just in her full like adult woman form but like is uh gray like the pavement has lines of yellow like the the parking lines it's like uh and then i'm like did she do that intentionally or is it like a like how a a chameleon does it where she yeah it was like like, uh just a, a reflex yeah 
also but either way it it's good yeah also again going back to the she's naked all the time thing i'm uh this comic made that be the most disgusting thing to me because now it's just like oh her clothes are skin yes all of her clothes her- are skin and that's gross yeah um it's I think one of the best details about Mystique, um, and it caught, ca- and it, 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 yes. Does it cause a lot of questions to be called? Yes. yes. There's a lot of questions like how involved there. Does it there. wrinkle and fold and make the right noises? Yeah, there. But it's, I, I just always chalk it up to just the amazing powers of Mystique that she's able to do these things that she's so good at it, um, and. Uh, you just have to roll with it. It's also like it. Uh, I recently saw a GIF from. We keep referencing the movies. We reference the movies all the time in this podcast, <laughs> even though this podcast isn't about the movies. It's about but the um, in the later uh, uh, movies after First Class with Jennifer Lawrence playing Mystique, um, I, I hated. I saw recently a GIF of like, <laughs> oh yeah, there was a moment because Jennifer Lawrence got tired of the makeup, mm-hmm. which is understandable but sad because the, she should be blue it's like uh, thing, Rebecca yeah. Romaine. Um, and there's a moment where she transforms back into blue mystique from like, uh, you know, Caucasian Jennifer Lawrence mystique. Um, but she's still wearing her suit. And so it's implying that she's wearing clothes. And I'm like, no, not my mystique, <laughs> my mystique naked all the she's time. She's naked all the time. That's literally her whole thing. Yeah. That's also a power move. Yeah. Just to be like, I'm naked right now. Deal with it. And, <laughs> and you, it's like, if you can just implant that in anybody's brain who's dealing with you, like you have power now. Exactly. Because now, again, if I'm ever having to involve myself with them, see, all I can think about is, wow, I grabbed her by her shirt collar, but that was just skin. <laughs> that was just something. That was, just that was like, something. That was just some skin. I don't like that. <laughs> um, to move, keep moving forward. Uh, uh, she gets captured. She's up in this, uh, in this, flying prison we meet johnny katano who is uh like the 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 mutant crimes kind of uh overseer um mm, mutant ice. and in what i said he's mutant ice yes um he is but and a mutant himself yeah um which is Traitor. uh interesting before we find out that because mystique tries to kind of connect with him on like the japanese american level that yeah. he's kind of doing things that his own family probably had to deal with um that's where we get the brotherhood of evil mutants was ironic <laughs> i love it it's so good uh we love a caddy mystique um is she references that she got a pardon that's a reference to when she was uh working for freedom force when she caught magneto they pardoned all of her crimes and so she's like you should be letting me go those are um, okay i had two notes about that one go for magneto's it. dead he's just dead in this um at this time yes he is right now okay and then the other thing was but 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 x-men don't stay dead ever mutants don't stay dead mutants don't say that and the other thing was the mental image of george w bush in his second term now uh no still yeah. his first term uh uh giving her a presidential pardon <laughs> is the funniest <laughs> mental image <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the only thing funnier is uh donald I, trump trying to buy the death note in the death note sequel yeah um <laughs> i don't let me i'm trying to think of the timing it might have been more like reagan pardoning mystique or something because the time the time scale of comics is as we call it the sliding time scale because yeah. nothing makes sense because you know jubilee should be you know in her 60s or 50s now you know but she's still like mid-20s you know <laughs> um 
but uh yeah you point out something that this book does that um they've kind of stopped doing to a certain extent which is if you make references to real world events or real world people or real nations then you kind of date your book to things that might not age so well like uh... um you're a little safe in making russia the bad guy yeah. at all times oh now. yeah um but they kind of don't like you know it's often a a nameless president sometimes like there's been time like during the obama administration they had like a black president that they didn't like you know overtly say was obama but it was like that's obama it is um uh they also uh her her bringing up uh it being 2003 and her referencing that like uh, the terrorist regimes that we were at war with at that current time that are all funded by the CIA bringing it up to this like fucking this like narc guy is so this it's iconic in a way that's like it's it's the it's the opposite of the not mentioning what's going on at the time because again it's 2003 9/11 was two years ago and and, the, and we're in like the peak like freedom fries never forget yep. era and yep. Bri- and Brian K Vahan. The the hand? What is it? V- yeah, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Brian. I'm the call him Brian. <laughs> yeah, we're just calling Brian. And Brian's just like, well, let us not forget that the uh, consequences of our actions and just like the uh this is I, truly an iconic comic book, I swear. <laughs> those are lines that I definitely don't remember from my first reading through, but when I read it again, um I immediately was like, These are lines that Griff is gonna love <laughs> because like these are like you know mystiques like calling out like conspiracy theories yeah. like multiple times in this thing and i was like that's griff right there griff <laughs> likes that stuff um <laughs> i know her question of like the like hussein and bin laden and all yeah. that stuff it's so it's so good um it's and it's also stuff that you can kind of hide away in a solo title yeah that you might not get away with like uncanny x-men yeah, but like it's mystique yeah 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 um then uh, as it goes on, uh, we're only in the second issue of I this, know. and we are at fifty-two <laughs> minutes. Know. How did I even think I was going to get you out of here in like an hour? <laughs> um, we can do this. We can do this. I can keep moving forward. We're almost to the end of issue two. Yes. Um, Katano's a mutant. Little twist. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. Um, but then uh, Magneto, quote unquote, shows up to release uh, Mystique from her shackles and prisoners. Um, fun little use of Professor X in a costume, doing things with his mutant powers to make it look like he's Magneto, but not actually Magneto. I th- I thought it was a little, it was clever and a little genius, you know, telling the the guys to like fall down, but making it look like he's controlling their armor. Telling, yeah. you know, the guy that he's controlling his iron to make him go to sleep, but Professor X is like, go sleep, go sleep. Yeah, I thought he was blood bending for a second. Uh, when you said the thing about the Magneto iron has the done blood. that. Yeah, that that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, the the movies definitely took that from the comics. He's done that multiple times. He's even used that ability to like um, coagulate blood to close wounds. Oh, okay. Um, it's awesome. He's a little bit of a bloodbender uh, for those of you who are uh, Avatar fans. Um, and then we get to uh, this is when Mystique gets rescued, Professor X, and now we're into issue three, where they're kind of alluding to someone may have been like. Uh, masquerading as Mystique to get her in trouble and get hunted by the government again. Still unclear at this point what that is. Um, but we kind of get a, a little bit of an insight into like where Professor X right now is in his ideology. And he's definitely not the... He's he's still trying to like make good with the humans. He's not in like his... Uh, uh, 
Krakoa era where he's like, we're going to our own island and create our own <laughs> government. He's now like still trying to work with them. So that's why he needs her to, you know, do a job for him. Um, this is also where Forge and Mystique have a little bit of a spicy reunion where they have a little fight and he has to knock her out with knockout gas. Um, and after that, this is when Forge gives her the deal. You know, we have a device that can cloak you from what's allowing them to track you. As long as you work for us, we will keep that device turned on and they won't be able to track you. Yes. Um, I think I felt like it was a clever device on how you can force Mystique to do something um, that wasn't just like we've put a bomb in your spine. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. It's it's way more elegant than the Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think they knew what they were doing because this is also post a Suicide Squad world. Yeah. It it, um, it felt it felt too specific to that have not been hap- for that to not have happened yeah. already. And and Brian's a smart enough writer to know that like there's holes in that with Mystique. Like she can literally she literally later on puts a gun behind her stomach, which I do um, make a note of. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Um, uh, just you need a little, little, uh, little knapsack. That's all you need. And you just put it right there behind your intestines. <laughs> um, and they also do a little flash to this little mutant girl in Cuba. And that's kind of the first inkling that we're going to have to go to Cuba to deal with some problems that are along with this. We got to fight but, Castro. Uh, af- yep. There's, there's some cat, some definitely, definitely some Fidel Castro involvement in this book. Um, this is where they reveal that it's Russian sentinels. Here's the here's the debacle. Russian sentinels that were supposed to be decommissioned, but were some of them were left, are now have been stolen by Steinbeck, who then now has sold them to Cuba, who is supposed to be nice with mutants, but just like all you know humans and governments, they're like, well, what if we don't like these people someday? Yeah. Let's prepare for that. Uh, I feel like um, from this part of the comic, the most unrealistic thing was that Russia would ever want to kill their mutants. They, yeah. I feel like they would have like red sun weaponized them immediately. So we go from Cuba to the Russian Sentinels description um, and Mystique's given her job. She just needs to go and destroy these things without killing anybody. Uh, they talk about how Prudence died getting the kind of the information on like the weakness of the Sentinels. Yeah. So in lieu of that, uh, Forge, again, 2003, gives her a Game Boy Advance awesome yeah in it not um, in nintendo purple either which is disrespectful <laughs> i agree just a, that just is... a white game boy the white gray one gross like come on come on yeah come you on. the, the Nint- nintendo purple was i think peak nintendo coloring oh, that, that, that was game design yeah yeah um great color choice uh but the game boy advance is an emp um and <laughs> uh mystique you know makes her way to cuba tries to get through customs but ends up getting detained because she has like the wrong form um this is where she turns into fidel castro yeah just to, um, just to, which is a real like big swing that's a huge swing. that's a big swing that's a big swing <laughs> um i mean it works in one way that that's going to catch people off guard to see fidel castro in the airport yeah um but then also like it's going to draw eyes so you're going to want to turn into something else soon yeah um, uh, she does manage to get out of the airport, and we meet Short Pack inside um, of the pink Cadillac. Uh, who I love because he's tiny. He's a little tiny guy. So, what does telepathy have to do with him being small? Right. Um, I I think on the like clever writing side, it's a it's a fun uh you know double use of his shortness because he does reference that he's a short range telepath. Yeah. 
Um, he's not a long Whatever range that one. Means, yeah. It means that his telepathy only can go so far, which is actually like te- telepaths have a limitation. That's why Professor X is the most powerful, and he can like he can oh. talk to people on much further distances. And he has his brain boost machine. And he does, which is called the Boostier. I don't know what's it called. <laughs> it's called that from now on. It's called that from now on. Um, the Boostier, yeah. aka Cerebro. Um, <laughs> but the Boostier is better. Um, you were good. Uh, and I think it's also uh, well, and and then so that's the 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 fun side of why he's like short. Is that? But it's also like um, it's not uncommon for mutants to have multiple powers. Some that not necessarily are like that, you know, are, are like a make sense combo. Yeah. Um. So they. This is short. This is also. He's never been revealed before. This is his first appearance, so he is brand new to me. Reading this in two thousand three. Okay. Um. So Brian was like, I want a little guy who can, Bunch, uh, you know, who can fit in Mystique's pocket. Bunch of new characters. And, uh, I love this for him. He was he again big swing. He was just like. I'm gonna make prudence. I'm gonna make short stack. Yep. <laughs> Steinbeck. Um, yeah. Uh, that's also part of the fun of X Men is that they are such a, a diverse, broad cast that you can just kind of do that. You can just write in these characters. I don't think we've seen Short Pack after this uh, <laughs> series, so this is his time to shine. He's so little, he's so but little. he gets turned on at the end uh, by turned on, uh, turned on to not turned on. He gets turned on to by his friend. Who's the driver. Who's wants to turn in mystique for her bounty. Yeah. And that's a whoopsies. Can't trust everybody. We're in issue four. Now we're halfway through. Halfway we through. can make we're this. We're booking it. We're speeding we can do this. through. Cause there was a lot. I feel like three was all exposition. <laughs> three was all exposition. And five is a lot of escape. Yeah. Um, and so in four, this is where we pick up that the driver's trying to, to, you know take her and so mystique like goes big arm and <laughs> punches him with short pack in her hand yeah. which is great like a fist pack. um yeah uh and there's just a lot of puns later on about you know short puns brian loves his puns uh <laughs> if you read his work you will notice that as a constant in his writing oh yeah um uh they get away from the driver short pack finds out that mystique is a terrorist he didn't know that prior and and um uh, t- kind of gives a little background of himself. Professor X like helped him stop from shrinking to like non-existence, which is fantastic. Yeah, with, with exercises, which is funny because I'm just imagine. Well, I'm just imagining. What is he clenching to stop? Yeah, I'm just like clenching and doing yoga every morning so he doesn't turn into like a proton. Yeah, um, they make a plan to go find a guy named General Diosville, Dios V, um, and. Uh, this is also where they you know we kind of learn one short pack is a little prudish because mystique turns into like a hot lady a sexy cuban woman to entice the general and he's like do you have to like be showing so much skin and she's like i'm naked all the time deal with that little man (laughs) which again power move and then again as you mentioned before she creates a primordial gun pouch to hide this (laughs) taser in and it first of all put it in your butt come on caked up put it back there <laughs> also easier to reach and grab it all i'm saying <laughs> if it's if it's back there she wanted no to go kangaroo on it <laughs> it's also she, a very wanted to put her... unsettling panel to look at <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's so good you only read the first six issues um and they do some weird things with her shape shifting it gets weirder later on so if you want to keep reading there's some more stuff i will um it's great um, yes, she hides the Trank gun. 
uh, she goes to a protest where they think they might find this guy and manages to like break up the protest and kind of trick the general into thinking that she wasn't the one who broke it up and to take her home because, uh, like I said, all men are the same. Um, show them a uh, sexy, scantily clad woman who says she will go to their hotel with them, and, and they're like, yes, I don't know your name or who you are. I will say yes. But most importantly, stroke um, their ego. Yes, just do that, and you're good. Um, <laughs> and uh, she does manage to uh, subdue him with a nice knee to his uh his gonads, which she references, <laughs> like she talks about, like your stuff, your your private parts are outside. Yeah. Like how bad of design is that? And I'm like, and this is also while she's holding a gun inside of her stomach, so there's a double <laughs> meaning to this. Um. And then she gets really she gets scary the info from, fingers. <laughs> she does. That's right. That's the panel where she talks about like threatening to gouge his eyes out with like long, uh, just crazy f- spiky fingers. Um. Yeah, she does some. That's I, we even glossed over how she got out of the handcuffs in the first issue, where she turns her hands into like needles, yeah. and the, the handcuffs just fall Slip off. off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the woman is great. Um, it's just, it's she, a lot of like body horror that's actually visual gags in this. Yes, that is a great way to put it. Um, she is walking body horror. because yeah. um, also you got to think like as a reader reading a comic, we're seeing the finished product. Like people are watching this happen. Yeah. You know, They're imagine watching someone crunch. <laughs> You're just whatever sound her shifting makes as she is putting a, a, uh, sidearm into her, you know, abdomen. <laughs> um, she gets the info she needs to find out where the Sentinels are. Um, she, uh, you know, knocks out the guy. Um, and, uh, she, manages to get into the place that she's supposed to get into the base where they're being held which by the way um did you get evangelion vibes on the design of these sentinels oh yeah they look like avas and there's also the like uh on on the on the walls like that kind of like blocky numbers that the avas have yeah I, I maybe Brian is a fan of the of that anime. Yeah, but they're, um, they're, they're real or, or the artist. Actually, the artist probably was the one who did it. Yeah, but they're real smooth, like an like an Evangelion. Yeah, uh, the artist uh, named Lucas, uh, last name Lucas. I, I did look um, up to see if the artist was um, Rob Liefeld because the first panel of the first volume with Prudence was such an insane proportioned on proportions on her. I was like, was well, a Rob Liefeld joint? But it wasn't. That's just that's just comics. That's just comics. comics still like they even with their best intentions, they still like women have no waist, no um, organs, have, uh, you know, wide hips, um, and most of them are busty. And if they aren't <laughs> busty when they're first I- introduced, a lot of them get busty because an artist later goes, no, 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 she needs a rack, um, <laughs> not big uh, enough. Gr- yeah, that's what it, I mean. A great example is a uh, X twenty three. Like, um, she's supposed to kind of be, uh, kind of, uh, I think her mom is Asian in origin in some way, but, um, that's how she's supposed to be presented. She's always been someone who's thin and doesn't have, uh, a large chest. But then at some point someone's like, no, No. she has boobs now. Um, (laughs) and, but I think she's back now to, uh, there's been some interesting characters making these comics, but I think she's back now to something that's like a more accurate proportion. Thank God. Um, so we go from, oh yeah. So while they're in the base and Mystique is trying to complete her mission, these protesters come and kind of complicate the whole thing 
because they managed to follow her morphed as the general um and that's the end of issue four is that kind of debacle happening which is issue five of six which is uh, in any other you know situation it'd be like oh good they're here and it's like oh no they're here (laughs) it's a great way to put (laughs) it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's like, guys, great intentions, bad timing, bad, ter- bad timing. Terrible. Shooting the soldiers upstairs, good, but don't come down here. <laughs> I'm doing something <laughs> important. I got business. Um, so issue five opens with Mystique manages to turn on the Cuban soldiers um, and uh, makes another conspiracy reference to the, uh, assassination, to the assassination of JFK. Of JFK. Which... Um, <laughs> which her being like i knew the cubans did it was a very again out of left field for me (laughs) yeah it's great um she does get the hold in the situation because she's able to show herself that she's a mutant and they're there to save the mutant children that have been confiscated but while they're doing that one of the cuban soldiers who were knocked out by her train gun is not quite knocked out and is able to launch a couple one or a couple of the sentinels um and so they have to fight their way through all this now they do manage to find where these little mutant kids were being kept, um, which are some fun little characters. They got to create one who has insane hearing abilities, one who tastes dreams. Which is um, a weird power. Awesome. Yeah. You know, the X-Men are weird. You know, yeah. some have ice powers. Some taste dreams. You know, it's 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 a, ver- a ver- variety's cast. Yeah, which honestly, if you're a uh, test, I, mean, I don't know what they were testing here, but I think they could have just left that kid alone. <laughs> he's he's gonna have it rough enough he's gonna have it rough enough like yeah um god can you imagine tasting people's dreams no. nope we're not unpacking that right now you'd have to sleep um, in like a, a a titanium box like a lead box yeah. for the rest of your life S- something that would that would block those vibes um this is the moment that i remember specifically from this series that i thought was one of the most awesome crazy moments for mystique ever that a writer was like what if we did something wild with mystique where they're trapped in this room with the kids they know there's soldiers outside and they got to make their way out and mystique's like i got this i've done this trick once it almost made me pass out but i can do it and she morphs herself into two people in one body two two heads two brains four arms all of that picks up enough rifles for each hand and just goes out there and goes like full one woman army on these people. And it's super I love it. sick. It's body horror. It's like it's it's giving Voldemort in the first yeah. Harry Potter movie. Uh it's Which would have uh, just been out a, around this time. What? I think that would have been out around this time, two thousand three. Oh yeah. It might have been. Like that artist might have been like, I'm gonna make this look like that back of that guy's head. It, it, um, yeah, it also looks like it's a, a male face too. Yeah. Uh, I think like it almost goes like into just a, a an androgynous non-gender kind of thing. Like she has she has no energy to make this thing have gender, so it's like bald and and weird looking. Um, oh, all yeah. she can do is just focus on the number of like appendages and heads. Yeah, for oh, oh, again for those listening at home, uh, the red hair is gone, and instead there are just like a bunch of veins connecting these two heads together. <laughs> and also, I know you think that's the grossest part. No, I think the grossest part is the second neck coming out of the back of her neck, because <laughs> the implication of the double it's the double esophagus and the like. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> But she does. Well, I mean, she's kind of hot. 
and that's where you took it and made it even weirder. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I just think that when anybody gets to play loosey goosey with these mutant powers and gets to add something unique and new to them, I think do that. I mean, if you're given the reins of the X-Men and these are such a diverse cast of weird powers, like do something yeah. weird with them. Right. What are you doing? If you don't do that, write something that's never been written before. Like, yeah, like her getting super jacked, growing a second head and absolutely decimating a bunch of <laughs> an entire army, <laughs> Cuban army. Like, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, so mystique does her cool moment goes full Goro on these people. <laughs> um, has to gather herself back up together, has this great panel where she's just like, just like absorbing these extra appendages back into her. Um, Executes uh, a mofo um, and then proceeds to, you know, head to where she thinks there's a computer that she'll be able to shut down in order to make these sentinel stops. Another twist. It's not a computer. It is in fact, uh, Lazaro. Who's the guy who followed her. It's his sister who got captured and she is speaking to the Sentinels and that's why they're able to run. Um, and it's posed the question of like, Oh, um, to make this stop, you can't just, uh, you know, unhook me. You need to kill me. And the girl's like putting that to mystique as a choice. Yeah. Also she, her power is that she can talk to, is it okay i want to say machines but like is a gun a machine she can well yeah it, it the it's often described as technopath someone okay. who can talk to technology often more often it's involving things with like a computer brain but no one's to say that this particular girl who's just a new character they introduced in this could also talk to just mechanical yeah. machines like um she talks to machines which a gun is a machine a gun is a you machine. Know. um some are machine guns. Hey, oh, <laughs> um, and yeah, it hurts that, that brings up just twisted implications of a young girl able to hear that a gun knows that he's the one who could end her. Yeah. Um, which again, the dark, the dark, the darkest thing I've ever, <laughs> I've ever just a child being like, Oh yeah, the gun says that it can help us. <laughs> uh, the gun told me that, <laughs> that it can take I don't care like that of phrasing. Situation. I don't like yeah. that phrasing at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what she says. She's like, oh yeah, that thing. Well, she shouldn't say the gun. She says the thing in your hand, and it's a gun. And we're all and 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 the viewers at home are going, oh no. Yeah. Well, I all of that that darkness, <laughs> you know, kind of aside. I I I do love this moment because, um, in certain ways, because it poses a a choice to Mystique. Mystique is often she 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 rides the line of activist of sociopath of narcissist of you know uh champion of the mutant cause and you know you can often think of her since she's this you know assassin spy as someone who will do anything to get the job done but you know this kind of poses the question that there are limitations to what she feels comfortable with that she does have at least something of a heart where she's like I'm not immediately comfortable just uh, finishing the mission that I need to do in order to keep myself out of prison by, you know, unaliving this little girl. And I like that because I, I, you know, I, I like the idea of mystique, not only being mysterious, but complicated. Yeah. I don't want her to be just one dimensional, like a, you know, a a, A a mean woman. Yeah. Um, I like that she, you know, whether or not she has morals, she at least knows like the idea of like, you know, me just using this gun on this girl immediately without thought is not right. No. And, 
Um, I'm not going to do it immediately. And in fact, even though she knows that like the girl's like, you know, telling her she can, she has to, she gives her, you know, permission and mystique's about ready to do it. Also, yeah. uh, I, I do like that it's like a callback to the first issue when uh, Mystique turns into a little girl to not get shot at by the yeah. by the soldiers. Yeah, it is a little bit cyclical in that nature. Um, she is saved from having to make that choice by the little girl's brother, Lazaro, who he heard the whole thing and knows that this is what has to happen. And he kind of makes this call that, you know, um, I, I think he phrases it that uh, blood should spill blood. Yeah. Um, it's, it's heavy. It's dark. Um, I appreciate that the book decided to go somewhere like there that had like gravitas and depth to it. Um, it's a bit, you know, there's maybe a trigger warning here for people. Um, but, uh, I, it's just, it adds to Mystique's character and I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts were for this moment. Oh no, I mean, it, I, I'm glad she didn't have to do it. Uh, because it feels like one of those things where it's like, yeah, we'll just let the bad guy who's murdered people kill someone else and have, like, no consequences to it. But having it be, like, this freedom fighter guy who's, like, you know, doing everything for the cause, uh, it, it, it felt in character for both of them uh, from, like, what we've yeah. seen just in, the, in, these short six, in these short six issues. But also, like, the the button on it that, like, as a family unit that's he knows that he did the right thing because like she saying that she wouldn't be able to live with herself if she knew that like she lived and like hundreds of other people had to die is very yeah like, building a character very quickly who is like very like knows who they are <laughs> yeah it's it's that's that's quality writing yeah. um and, and 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 i don't think at any point anybody reading this will think well mystique wouldn't have done it like she, i think she was going she to, was about to, but she got saved from having to do this. Yeah. So they get that all sorted and uh, she actually saves Lazaro from ending his own life. Um, so a bit of a heroic move there on Mystique's part. And they do manage to escape out of the place. Now that the, uh, the computer quote unquote is down, the Sentinels revert to making like a beeline back to the factory. And so they're all having to get out of there before it explodes. Yeah, they're kind of landing, kind of, they're kind of landing like a uh, SpaceX uh, ship and that they're just kind of <laughs> crashing back into where they came from with no plan. One of the early launches. Yeah, with no plan. Like there's no like, oh, they're slowing down and they're going to get back into where they're, no, they just like crash at it full speed and blow up the whole facility. Like, well, they didn't have a, a little technopath singing to them anymore, <laughs> so they didn't have no brains. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they save all these little, uh, they save all the little, uh, uh, mutant kids. The little babies. All little yep. babies. Little um, mutant babies. My favorite cartoon. <laughs> yep. Mutant babies. <laughs> um, make that a thing, Marvel. Come on, Disney. You, that's easy. That's mutant easy. babies. Actually, there actually is, oh man, I should make an episode about that. There actually is X babies. Oh, God. Um, uh, in, uh, the alternate universe that this guy Mojo, uh, runs he created baby clones of the x-men Weird. and their x-babies it's fantastic <laughs> it's so good um i'll have to post a picture of that on on social soon uh because they're adorable and uh they've they've shown up a few times for different stories yeah. and it's great every single time <laughs> um so mystique gets back to her short pack um and kind of uh debriefs from the whole thing um and uh, she wants to go have kind of a, a chill out after all of this rigmarole. 
Um, even though short pack is like, no, you need to stay here. We need to, um, you know, continue on to our next mission kind of thing. And so this is where, you know, he can't really stop her. The man is three inches tall. Um, she turns into just a a character for the day. Another, Um, another, another hot woman, another hot woman. Um, and, uh, heads to the bar and that's where we meet a mysterious man named Shepard who knows more than even I do uh, about Mystique uh, because he references that um, he knows who she really is, even though she threatens him with a gun. Um, and he knows even who her, like her father is, yeah. um, which is bizarre um, and kind of gives her an option to be a double agent with this little necklace that if she wants to kind of uh, do some extra missions for him while she's working for Professor X, all she's got to do is think of him little bit creepy but you know you gotta have a way to contact someone when there's a telepath around i suppose yeah um and he just goes back to his boss who's a mysterious red cloaked figure that we don't know who he is um you won't know until you keep reading this mystique title it's not um disclosed in these first six issues kind of the the teaser to keep you reading he also calls him beloved Um, what's up with that (laughs) you know maybe maybe they're friends you think i've ever explored each other's bodies (laughs) <laughs> we don't know who's under that cloak we don't know who that is um and you know if mystique gets to be a, a queer villain there's, there's maybe she's fighting a queer villain yeah. you know um there's a lot of queer villains actually all the mutants are queer all, all, uh, and all villains that. are also queer coded at least they're all queer coded um so this is the the final moment from this uh series or this arc is a uh, mystique kind of um meeting with professor x he's there in person which is kind of like a tony stark being there in person for spider-man kind of moment um because previously he had said we can only meet telepathically um and she like he like congratulates her and tells her she did a good job and gives her like not the best choice but he gives her a choice at this point yeah um it's not like full like oh no you're no longer we no longer need to use you he's like no no you can leave it's just you can now go into prison and if you don't want to you can keep working for me so it's not full choice let's be honest <laughs> um it's, and it's, it's they kind of leave it choice it's more choice <laughs> we have choice at home yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> and it the ends with a kind of a, a wink and a nod from mystique holding that necklace, you know, giving professor X a little line of like, Oh, I only have eyes for you. Um, says the woman who could grow eyes all over her body. If she wanted to, <laughs> there's actually a little mutant that actually is, that's his power. His name is I boy. His name this should not be a joke. Biblically accurate angel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh he's cool he's he's but he's he's covered in eyes like he's he's literally just got eyes everywhere um it's it's pretty bad um but uh yeah so that's the end of the first six issues of the 2003 solo title mystique griff yes final thoughts what how'd you feel about this i really liked it uh again i i i've not realized until this that i've enjoyed so many uh different things by brian uh, this yep. is one of them. Our good friend Brian, good first fr- name basis. Good friend Brian. I can't, don't know how to pronounce the last name. And uh, I'm definitely gonna finish reading this. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I wanted I, to, but like I didn't want to go too far ahead and get confused when we did this. So I just I, 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 I kept myself from keeping going. I 
I actually am very impressed by that because I I almost assumed I'm like, oh God, I gave Griff an assignment that ends at a cliffhanger <laughs> that you're a voracious consumer of like, you know, written fiction, fictional content. Um, and you saying you stopped, that's, that's growth. That's growth, <laughs> that's Griff. That's growth. I did, I did it. I had foresight. I had thoughts. <laughs> How... With, like, the very tertiary level of knowledge you have of the X-Men, yes. like, of just seeing some of the Halle Berry movies yeah. and that kind of thing, <laughs> uh, how were you, how much were you able to still just follow this and feel like you were not fully left behind? Uh, I, it was pretty good. It was pretty good at explaining itself. Uh, I knew the main player, like, uh, knowing Professor X and Mystique is, like, the barrier to entry to this, so, like, I crossed yeah. that. And then, like you said, every almost everyone else was introduced for the first time in the whole like comic book world, except for Forge. So, didn't yeah, yeah it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> going to Cuba was not. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Yeah, uh, gotta go somewhere for this mission. Gotta go somewhere for the mission. But other than that, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Good. Yeah, it's it can sometimes be like part of uh, the confusion that can happen with get jumping into comics is not knowing if you're supposed to know this person already. Yeah. Um, and and not knowing if you're missing out on even further backstory because like with Forge, yeah, there's a ton. He's been around for forever, but uh, Steinbeck, Prudence, Short Pack, all of them. It's like no, no, they're just in here. The kid who can taste dreams just in here for the first <laughs> time ever. He's just um, fine. Well, then I'm glad because that's part of the experiment of the show is to see if I can find uh, stories that if you at least know of some of the X-Men, you can still read it and enjoy it. And there's uh, it's a I think it's a great example that there's uh, stories out there that are really bespoke for everybody because I, I feel like I nailed this with. Oh, you. yeah. Like, I this is it. great. I want to I want um, a mystique then, cartoon now. Oh, man, I I adore her. Um, and with everything they've been doing with her modern day, like now, like full on getting to be wifey yeah. with uh, Destiny. And they're both just like, we will burn the world down if we have to to be together. <laughs> it's like, it's great. Um, I I hope that with the new introduction of the MCU, of, of, the, of X-Men into the MCU, eventually Mystique is a big part of it and that they nail it right um, because she's important to me. Well, yeah, and I think she's now important to you. Yeah, no. Hopefully that she's not just another uh, sexy lady that they just have be sexy. Because uh, yeah. I feel the same way about this mystique that I feel about the character Poison Ivy, where Poison Ivy was created as a character who was like meant to be sexy. And yeah. like, but then it's like, well, no, she would not try to appeal to men. Like, men have ruined her life, her entire life. Uh, yeah. So it makes sense for her to like be a lesbian. But also, yeah, big green lesbo. Yeah, but also she goofy. <laughs> yes. Like she's uh, yeah she's like she's goofy she's not like super serious like she's not like not like just this like uh, I feel like a lot like both of them have the curse of red hair vixen so like they're kind of written <laughs> off as just being that but like I like non conventional colored skin red hair yeah vixen. exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and I like that uh, both of them like have gotten chances to not just be that and to be goofy and have a personality and they get to do quips and one liners that aren't sex puns. Uh, yeah. and it, and, and this falls exactly into that category. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the fun of getting these solo titles is you get to kind of have these characters in a vacuum. That's th not their normal setting. A great example of poison Ivy is, uh, HBO Max's Harley Quinn animated show. Oh, so good. Uh, very good. Good depiction of poison Ivy and Harley as well. Um, being, uh, crazy, funny lesbians. Yes. Um, well, thank you, Griff 
for joining me for this episode. We did manage to get out of here under 90 minutes. Hey, that, um, that's a miracle. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, uh, I, I think I've hooked you a little bit into X-Men, and so I'm probably going to make you do this again sometime, and I'll find um, another great uh, lesbian uh, uh, epic um, or just two big old gay boys oh. having fun together. Some story about that. Either or. Um, either or. We'll find it. It's there. <laughs> X-Men are queer. Deal with it. <laughs> Even um, and. But what? I'll, do, I'll take an and too. It's both. Oh, an and. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got we got some. The, the X Men have every every flavor. They got they them's. They got B- B- Booster uh, Gold. They, they is got... he an X Man? No, no. <laughs> he's, he's from he's from DC. I know. I'm. Um, I, I'm gonna. He's the only who, like we... gay hero I can think. Of. Him and like he's like married to like the the Batman alleg- like kind of guy. <laughs> he's Batman like. He's like a shadow man. <laughs> I'm just going to do an episode of this show someday where I'm just going to bring up characters and I'm going to have you decide who they are <laughs> and what's your idea of where they are because you're describing Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and it's so wrong but so right. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Criff, for for adding some flavor there at the end and thank you, audience, for checking out this episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself and I hope I see you next time. Thank you very much.